theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Would you give Pastor Jessica Marquez an extraordinary church welcome as she comes to preach the word of the Lord? Come on, you can do better than that. Let the Lord know you're thankful for this gift that she is to the body of Christ. Can we give that hand clap to the Lord because surely he is the one that deserves that today. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you, God. What an honor to be back at EC this afternoon. Honored to be here with Pastor Akil, Pastor Sarah, the family, amen, to be here with each one of you. I feel the power of God in this place, amen. And I know that the Lord has something extraordinary in store for us receive greetings from my husband Pastor Antonio Marquez from our family and I know that they love this church also and they're praying for this service today and I feel that the Lord has a word for us so if we could go directly to the word of God we'll be going to Psalm 38 15 in the New King James Version of the Bible and then we'll be moving to Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 Psalm 38 verse 15 New King James and then Hosea 2:15 New King James also The word of the Lord says this way in Psalm 38:15 For in you O Lord I hope you will hear O Lord my God And then Hosea 2 and 15, Hosea 2 and 15 says, I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. I like to preach for a few moments this afternoon with the title, A Door of Hope in the Valley of Affliction. A Door of Hope in the Valley of Affliction. If we could put our Bibles to one side and we can pray, let's ask the Lord to open our minds so that we can understand his word, open our hearts so that we can receive it. Let's lose the gift of faith, knowing that where there's faith, absolutely anything can happen in the midst of God's people. Let's lose miracle signs and wonders, knowing that God wants to do that even here today in this place. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to come and be in your presence today. I thank you for what we feel. I thank you, God, for your presence that is so evident in this place. I ask you, Lord, that you open our minds so that we can understand your word, that you open our hearts so that we might receive it. We lose a gift of faith in this place, God, knowing that where there's faith, absolutely anything can happen. We lose miracles, signs, and wonders, God. I ask that your angels begin to walk amongst us, Lord, that they begin to minister even now. I ask you, Lord, that you not allow anyone to walk out the same way that they came into this place. May it be evident, Lord, that you were here and that you changed lives and that you did the extraordinary, that you did the supernatural amongst us. In your precious name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. A door of hope in the valley of affliction. There once was a king who had a daughter of marriageable age. The king wanted to make certain that the princess was given to the bravest of all the men in his kingdom. So he made a tournament of sorts. The knight who could survive the journey through the hemlock forest would be the bravest and wisest of them all. 
you see the hemlock forest was a dark and fearsome place filled with hope knots that heckled and attacked every stranger who dared to enter into their forest. Three of the greatest knights entered into the tournament. Each of them was given the opportunity to choose one traveling companion to accompany them on their journey. When the brave and gallant knights asked the king how they would be able to find their way out of the forest and back to the castle, they were told that the king would play his flute and play his song at the end of each day. Simply, they had to follow the sound of the king's song. One of the knights chose the strongest man in the kingdom. He said, surely if we get into trouble, the strength of this man will help me to get out of the forest. Another knight chose the wisest man in the kingdom. He said, surely if I get into trouble, his wisdom will help me find a way out of the forest. The last knight stayed silent, not willing to share who he had chosen. The three knights chose their traveling companions and took off on their fearsome journey. After many long days, only one knight and his companion came out of the forest. A great banquet was prepared in his honor, and he spent all of the evening telling of all of the great trials that he had to face in the hemlock forest. Of all the dangers he encountered, he told his captive audience that the worst thing was the hope knots that had learned to mimic the song of the king. Each evening when the king played his tune, melodies arose from all over the forest. So it sounded like the king's song played from every which way. The knight admitted that this would have been his undoing had he not chosen his traveling companion wisely. At this moment, he revealed who his traveling companion was. It was the king's own son, the crown prince of the kingdom. You see, there were only two people who knew the true song of the king. These were the king and his son. The father had been playing the same song to his son since the day he was born. The knight proudly proclaimed, I knew the prince would never be fooled by the cheap imitation of the true song of the king. His relationship with his father would be what would guide him and lead him through the darkness. And I knew that we would get out to the other side. Friends, it is our relationship with our king that will not let us be fooled by cheap imitations of the song of our king when we are going through afflictions, trials, and battles of this life. You see, some places in life have difficult memories due to circumstances that we have had to go through. Whether it be loss, sickness, divorce, maybe even death. The events associated with those places taint our memories. And the valley of Achor was such a sight. You see, we see in Joshua chapter 7 that Jericho is now in ruins. The lurid flames of its conflagration have risen up to heaven. And now all the land of promise lies before them for conquest and for the taking. As Joshua faces that assignment, he follows exactly the strategy of his great predecessor, Moses. When Joshua begins the conquest of the promised land, his strategy has already been clearly and minutely outlined by the great lawgiver, Moses. From Jericho, he is to go up into the hill country to Ai and then on to Bethel. Bethel was a sacred city and deeply desired by the people of the Lord as they faced the conquest of the land. Jericho was located down in the plains of Jordan. If we study this, we know that Bethel was 13 miles west, a little up 
to the north and just a tiny plain high up among the hills. But Bethel was a sacred place to Israel because it was in Bethel that Abraham had built the altars. It was in Bethel that Jacob had seen the vision of the ladder where the heavens had opened and angels ascended and descended from heaven. It was back to Bethel that God told Jacob to go when he lived in Paran. It was under the great oak at Bethel that Deborah was buried. Bethel was considered holy and sacred to the people of Israel. The first great strategic point that Joshua had to win was Bethel. Jerusalem, when we begin to see it, was on that road. Bethel was on the road to Jerusalem to check them to Samaria. But in order to win Bethel, he had to take the fortified city of Ai. Bethel and Ai were connected. Bethel furnished all the water that Ai needed. And Ai, because of its unusual and strategic location, was the fortified city that guarded Bethel. When we read Joshua chapter 7, verse 7, we know that the men of Ai were Amorites. But what are Amorites, Sister Jessica? You see, they came from the tribe of giants, the Rephaim, Og, Goliath, the sons of Anak. They were all from Ai. They were people who were of great stature, people of great power. They were people of war. So Joshua had to face from the plain of Jordan to conquest this land and the line of his strategy had to change. He had to go up into hill country. To take Bethel, he had to go against Ai. If we see Joshua chapter 7 verses 1 through 5, we know that in the seven years of the war for the conquest of Palestine, this was the only battle that they lost. The battle for Ai. After Joshua's victory at Jericho, the Israelites suffered defeat at Ai because a man named Achan had buried banned spoils of war under his tent. Following this event, the Valley of Achor served as a reminder of failure, of setback, and of defeat. This is the only time that you will find Joshua down on his face in dismay and in defeat. The story of the loss and the defeat at Ai is recounted because of its great lesson to Israel and because of its incalculable meaning to us. You see, so many are accustomed to defeat until they have become inured against it. We are accustomed to quitting when the going gets tough. We are accustomed to surrendering when things become difficult. We are accustomed to giving up if it's just too hard for us. We're usually in the role of fleeing and turning our backs to our enemies. But God would change this place from a site of trouble to a place of triumph. And God can do the same for each one of us today in this place if we would allow him to do it for us. When the original readers of First Chronicles came across this story in the genealogical record, they would have remembered Achan as Achar the Troubler. But they also would have recalled that the prophets described the valley of Achor as a place once linked with sin, discipline, and death. And then we see it as a place of promise. You see, Hosea spoke of this valley as a future door of hope and a place for joyful singing. Isaiah referred to the dry valley as the spot where herds will someday rest in Isaiah 65 and 10. You see, God can produce hope in spite of our awful and difficult situations. 
Isaiah 10 verse 32 and 33 says in the New Living Translation, the enemy stops at knob for the rest of that day. He shakes his fist at beautiful Mount Zion, the mountain of Jerusalem. But look, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies will chop down the mighty tree of Assyria with great power. He will cut down the proud. That lofty tree will be brought down. In other words, my friends, the enemy can only get close enough to us to shake his fist at us, but he cannot get close enough to touch us. He cannot get close enough to punch us. He cannot get close enough to hurt us. He can only get close enough to shake his fist at us. We have got to understand that the power that we have is so great. The enemy can shake his fist as much as he wants to, but we are the ones that have power from on high. We get to a certain moment in life where the enemy has absolutely no power because he's done all he can do. He's come at us with everything that he can. Uh, we come to a point in life where we can say, is that all that you got, devil? You've done everything else that you possibly can. Is that all that you're going to do now? Because greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. Uh, the only thing that you can do now is shake your fists at me. God is trying to show us that there are greater things in the spirit for us. We are his possession. He is structuring and he is restructuring our lives because your destiny matters. Because your ministry matters. Because EC matters. Because where you are at matters. Because you are strategically positioned at this moment for what God wants in this city. Fear not because God always focuses on you being made whole so you can become who you're supposed to be in the kingdom. Mark 18. In the new King James, Mark 8 verse 16 says, And they reason among themselves, saying it's because we have no bread. It made me laugh because Sister Sherry read this yesterday. It was in my notes for today. I'm like, okay, go on ahead. And they reason among themselves saying it's because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason? Because you have no bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Then he continued on and he reminded them of when he fed the 4,000. And how many baskets of loaves of bread did they pick up then? Don't you remember Joshua? It wasn't you and the power of your might that brought down the walls of Jericho. It was your shout of worship while the enemy waited and waited and waited and waited trying to figure out what you were doing. You weren't doing anything, Joshua. You were just walking like I told you to walk. It was when I told you to open your mouth and worship to me that I brought down the walls, that I conquered the enemy. While the enemy waited, you just kept walking. EC, while the enemy's waiting, you just gotta keep on walking because when God steps in, so 
Sometimes you just gotta keep on walking until God says, give your shout of triumph. Give your shout of triumph because I am your God. And when God gives a victory, no one's gonna be able to question it. No one's gonna be able to ask where it came from because when God steps in and he turns everything around, it's gonna be done just like he wanted it to be done. And then we see Jesus telling his disciples. How can you say there's no bread? I can imagine him saying, Peter, my Lord, how many baskets did you go get, son? After I fed the 5,000 plus that day. Uh um, Jesus, I think there was 12 baskets left. Uh um. John, how many baskets were left when, when I fed the 4,000? Um, I think that there were seven baskets left, Jesus. Can't you remember what I did? If I did it before, I surely can do it again. Why can't you remember who I am? I am great and mighty and powerful. Why don't you understand? I'm the God of miracles. The God of the miraculous. If he healed before, surely he'll heal again. If he provided before, surely he'll provide again. If he did it before, my friend, he'll do it again. Why do we doubt my God? If he did it before, if he made a way when there was no way. We have got to get to the point in our lives where we don't doubt God anymore. Oh, Sister Jessica, that's, that's easy to say, Pastor Jessica. It's so easy to say. No, it's not, friends. You have got to live it in order to believe it. Now, I wouldn't wish my life on anybody. I promise. Those of you who know me, follow me. I was just telling Pastor Q, well, my Lord, the past year just for me, it has been literally going through hell. Last April, I had my second heart attack. September, I had my eighth stroke. That one kind of messed me up. I couldn't think very well. My sentences wouldn't come out of my mouth. I would say one sentence five or six times, Pastor Akil, because I couldn't get my thought process well. Now it's kind of funny when I'd say the story, the speech therapist would come and put things in front of me and ask me what they were. And I remember she came in, she was a Filipino lady. She came and she picked up a straw and she said, what is this? And I looked at it and I kept looking at it. And when I kept looking at it, I said, popote. And I looked at my husband and I smiled and he nodded his head and he smiled back. Yes, 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 it's a popote. And the speech therapist said, Bobote? What is a Bobote? And my husband said, That's a straw. But it's in Spanish. She just said it in the wrong language. Because my brain was so mixed up. I was just glad I remembered what it was. But that's how my brain was in September, friends. I couldn't walk, I had to use a quad cane. My husband said he wanted to put tennis balls at the bottom. I told him he was crazy. I didn't want to use that thing, but I used it for two months. At the end of November, both of us were in the hospital. 82% of our lungs were damaged. Nine days we were there. They told me my lungs were so messed up, I probably would never preach again. But they told me that so many times already, I don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> In May of this year, I was in the hospital. May of this year again for another five days. 
That's for hospital stays that I should have died four times just in this past year. Less than a year from April to May. But I'm still here. You know why? Because you heard me say two heart attacks. You heard me say eight strokes. Too many times they told me I'd never preach again. Because now I say if he did it before, surely he'll do it again. A lot of people tell me I'm crazy, Pastor Akil, and I'll come to the conclusion I am. Because a normal person after going through all that stuff would stay at home. They wouldn't be traveling around during all of this chaotic mess. But since March, I have been out every weekend preaching, sometimes six or seven times a weekend, because I have come to one conclusion, that if God has saved me, it's for a reason and for a purpose. And there's not anyone that's going to shut me up, much less the devil. If God did it before, he'll do it again. And if he doesn't, I'll see you on the other side, friends, when we're dancing on the streets of gold. But meanwhile, I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you that the devil can't touch you as long as you keep on walking, as long as you keep on believing, as long as you know that God has a purpose for your life, as long as you understand that God is for you and not against you. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He is the El Shaddai. He is who was, who is, and who is to come. Remember who our God is. Isaiah 54 and 10 says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Mountains depart, hills will be moved. God's kindness will never depart, friends. His covenant of peace will not be removed. He is our Lord who has mercy on us. There is no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Friends, I want to tell you that you can still find God today. He is still here and he can be found he is near today all you got to do is call upon the name of Jesus I don't know what kind of need that you have but if you call upon him his ear is attentive today his eye is upon us and he will answer your prayer Psalm 142 says this in the new living translation this is a psalm of David regarding his experience in the cave, a prayer. That's the way it's titled. I cry out to the Lord. I plead out for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him. And I tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me. But no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Does anybody ever feel like that? Verse 5 says, then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Psalm 57 in the New King James tells us, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge. 
until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me into the midst of it. They themselves have fallen. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. That means it doesn't matter what happens, friends. We're going to stay planted steadfast on God. It continues to say, I will sing and I will give praise. Verse 8 says, awake my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the people. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth where others would have simply complained. David said, you are my hope. Basically, he was saying, God, I don't understand. But even though I don't understand, I still trust you. Even though I don't know what's happening, wake up, praise. Even though it's kind of hard, wake up, faith. Even though it's hard for me to continue on, wake up, worship. That's what we got to do every day when we don't know what to do. We have got to encourage ourselves and say, wake up, praise. Wake up, faith. Wake up, worship. We have got to will ourselves to do it. God has been way too good to me for me to be quiet now. He's been way too good to me for me to just stay sitting down and not give him the worship. He's been way too good to my kids. Been way too good to my husband. Been way too good to my family. If it wasn't for the Lord, where would we be? When you got a trajectory with Jesus, ain't nothing that can keep you quiet. Everything David lost was chasing David. What do you mean, Pastor Jessica? He was hiding in a cave and had no idea that his destiny was still chasing him. You see, I, I love David because David was hiding away. And the word says that the worst of the worst went to go find him. The ones who were liars and thieves, the ones that nobody else wanted, they went and they found David. But because David was anointed, because David was blessed, because David had the favor of God, Every person that stepped into that cave automatically was in the presence of anointing, was in the presence of favor, was in the presence of blessing. And they went from being thieves and cowards to being the mighty men of David that took down giants, that went to war, that battled. Can you imagine what God could do through us? You see, blessing will chase you. Even if you run, it'll keep chasing you. Favor will find you. It doesn't matter what kind of cave you're hiding in. Favor will keep finding you. Miracles will encounter you when you least expect it. The enemy was chasing David, but so was the favor of God. Psalm 34 says in the New King James, and this is the happiness of those who trust in God. I love when they put those little titles. 
And then it says, a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just when I'm feeling good. Not just when I got all the money that I need in the bank. Not just when I got the job that I want. Not just when everything looks great in my life. Not just when everything is just the way I planned it out. No, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And not just that he'll bless him. He said, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is, oh God, I thank you. I thank you because I'm awake this morning. As I'm going through my day, doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter if I'm mad. I've done learned. If I'm angry, you know what I do. I say, oh God, I don't know why it's gone, but I still thank you anyway. I bless you and I praise you because I know that you're going to take me out of this one. And it's just a matter of time that my situation is going to change. Do you know what happens when you live your life that way, friends? Favor finds you when you least expect it. When you always bless the Lord. When you always praise him. When everybody else is going through everything. Yeah, you might have to go through what you got to go through. But it's just a matter of time. When everything turns around. Uh, the word keeps saying my soul shall make its boast. In the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. That means not everybody's going to be happy when God starts blessing you, but that's okay. Go and find the humble because those humble ones, you know who they are. Because when God blesses you, they're going to be right there worshiping. They're not going to be coveting what God has given you. Because they know it's just a matter of time when you're going to be worshiping with them. Because you know that God is going to bless you too. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You see all of this stuff that's happening in the world that comes trying to bring fear into our lives. When you seek the Lord, he's going to find you. And not only is he going to find you, he's going to hear you. And he's going to deliver you from every fear that tries to consume you. They looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. You know, we always pray, oh, let the angel of the Lord encamp. We miss that word, all. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fall. You see, when we think about a camp, we got a tent here, we got a tent there, and everyone stays in their own spot. But when the angel of the Lord encamps around us, there's not one little spot around me that is not covered. Everywhere I go, the angel of the Lord's with me. I go forward, there he is. I go backward, there he is. I go to the right, there he is. I go to the left, there he is. It don't matter what kind of situation I walk into, there's the angel of the Lord. Why? Because I know who I am. Do you know who you are today? Let me tell you who you are. You are the son of the king. You are the daughter of the king. And when that comes right, you have the right to be able to call upon him. And not only does it, it encamp around us, it delivers us. <laughs> There's something about the angel walking with us. Oh, but when I get into trouble, when I start seeing things that just ain't right, know that the angel's fighting for me 
I believe in angels. Yeah, I do. It'd be a sad day in life if I had to walk everywhere by myself. I know who I serve. And because I know who I serve. And because I have learned how to pray and seek his face. Because I know when I do wrong, I can go and repent of my sins. And I know who my father is. When I go somewhere, I'm not just praying for one angel. I'm saying, oh God, I need for your whole army to come down and take care of this one. I pray for my kids. I was going through some spiritual warfare. And I know that when I'm fighting something automatically, something might happen at home. So when I pray, I say, oh, God, as you're working for me, I need for you to go ahead and send some angels to protect my daughter, to protect my son, to protect my husband, to protect my home. Would you just put an army of angels around them until I get home, too? I know that they're praying, but I'm going to make sure that I cover them, too, because the word of God says that when we take authority in the name of Jesus. You see, God is wanting to do something even here this afternoon. There, there's something about your church, Pastor Akil. Every time I come here, you know, I always preach and always say, well, we lose the angels of the Lord in this place. But there's something special about EC when I walk in. And the angelic host that's always willing and ready to move here. In fact, here was one of the first places that I actually saw three angels that were walking around. I, I got so startled that I called my husband and I wrote it down in my notebook and I wrote down the date. And I said, whoa, something's going on over at EC. That's why I pray for EC every day. Because I know that when God wants to do something, the enemy will try to come in like a flood. But I also know that when he tries, that my God comes down. And something big is about to happen here. I've been saying it for a couple of years. But in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of sickness, that's when God likes to show off his glory. That's when he likes to say, look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm saving. Look at how I'm healing. Because God does his best work when no one expects it. <laughs> Blessed is the man who trusts in him. But I don't want to miss the part where it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> taste and see that he's good. Come, you children, listen to me. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Who is a man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off from the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out. And the Lord hears. And delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. David is still in affliction. But he's already acting as if he's been delivered. Let me say that one more time. David is still in affliction. But he's already acting as if he has been delivered. What you mean, Pastor Jessica? 
My Lord, you could be sick in your body, but you already acting like you're healed. You could be where you're at now in this place, but already acting like you got the... What did you say just a little while ago, Pastor Q? The fastest growing church. You could be in this building and already acting like it is the most beautiful, hugest building that there is in this city. You could be here by yourself already worshiping God like all your family is worshiping God with you and saved. You could already be here today thanking God in advance for something that you don't have. You see, it all depends on you. As I'm drawing to a close, either what the Bible says is true or it's not. You can stand to your feet. Either miracle signs and wonders follow them that believe or they don't. There has been a spiritual attack against the supernatural. A spiritual attack against the prophetic. A spiritual attack against what God wants to happen in this place. And you know, when a spiritual attack comes, it always comes first against your leaders. I ain't had time to talk to Pastor Kill because I've already preached so many times this weekend. Came from one church service to another. In fact, this morning I sent him a note and said, my friend's been silent. I don't even know what's supposed to happen today in service. Because I haven't spoken with him at all. When I did the leadership lab, I had just landed from New York. Signed right on. Those of you who are on there saw me in a ball cap because I just got home. I haven't had time to talk to anybody. So now what I'm going to say next is what I feel from God. The enemy would like nothing better than to take out your pastor, his wife, and his kids. And I'm saying that from the Lord. Because his vision and his passion and his wife's vision and passion are right here pushing you and telling you you can do it. You're amazing. You're powerful. But we come against the enemy right now. We rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And he's got to take his hands off of the Thompson family. In fact, he got to take his hands off Pastor Sarah right now in the name of Jesus. Healing virtue flow through her body even now. Strength flow through her body even now. Pastor Sarah, be strengthened even now in the name of Jesus. Would you close your eyes for just one second? Not my style, Pastor Akil, but I'm going to say it over the mic because I want for it to be written down and documented. You briefly told me that you want to have many churches here and you told me the number. But the Lord has said, make that triple. He sent you here to Canada for a reason. The reason that he sent you was so that you could begin to birth revival where it had been dead. God has sent you here because inside of you, sir, is something powerful, something that cannot be stopped. And the enemy has tried to stop it and kill it. Know that God has seen you. He has seen your work. He has seen your passion and your heart. And he will bless you and lift you up.
the things that you could never imagine that's what's going to happen in your life there are other things that i'm going to write down and when it happens i'm sending it to you dated because god is going to make you a leader amongst leaders in this district know it and hold it true church and that means that you're going to have to pray and fast like you've never prayed and fasted before because extraordinary church is not just any old other church this church is going to be the largest church not just of ontario district but in the entire country of canada and when that happens churches are going to be sent throughout not just the region but regions and many of you are going to be lifted up and be pastors and missionaries and god is going to use you because you opened your heart on this day on this day would you raise your hands and would you receive the word from the lord through darkness and the song of the king is being played he is calling you out of darkness into his marvelous light if you would like to feel the presence of our God today if you've never experimented or has been a long time we make an invitation to you would you come and allow us to pray for you presence of the Lord is here if you need a miracle in your body healing in your soul in your mind the presence of the Lord is here and he is faithful and just to touch you and move in your body that's it just make your way around you can just thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.